What happened to Dave Matthews' band? Under the Table and Dreaming was released on RCA in 1994 to critical acclaim and was widely lauded by audiences everywhere. This Charlottesville, Virginia band went from bars to arenas through the old-fashioned method of grinding it out on the road playing hundreds of shows a year. And then, the hatred grew. If people ask me what I think the most polarizing band on the planet is, I say Dave Matthews Band. Yet musicians don't get to choose their audiences. If I heard their music for the first time, I might say they were adult contemporary or maybe would fall in with jam bands. However, the band gained a mass audience of Greek system college kids in white hats and skimpy clothes. They've rode that wave for 25 years now and show no signs of slowing down. People seem to judge them based on their young audience, but I highly doubt that they care who's seeing them play or listen to their music. It is hard to maintain the success that they've had for so many years. So why all the hate for Dave Matthews? Is it the fans? Is it the music? Is it the ridiculous dancing from Dave? Today we discuss all this and go back to their breakthrough hit, What Would You Say? So this is this is a song with a lot going on in it. Absolutely. Yeah, like uh, there are there are you know instrumentation that you wouldn't necessarily expect from a pop song. Uh, the song like sort of like breaks out in some weird directions, kind of like you know one of those squeezy toys where you squeeze it and like part of it like bulges out in a weird way. That's how I feel about the part where he says, uh, "Mom, it's my birthday." <laughs> well, now I know that I'm never going to be able to picture anything else besides that every time I hear that line. Or uh, that that you'll hear that every time you squeeze a squeezy toy. Perfect. Uh, th- I mean, that will make me happy anyway, e- even more than the squeezy toy already did. Right. Uh, um, this band was, is, or was at the time, acoustic guitar, bass, drums, violin, and sax. That is definitely a lot going on. It's a lot of lead instrumentation going on, and they used it all at once, Like, which is one of the interesting parts of it is it wasn't done like a jazz band where it's like sax takes solo, violin takes solo. They were all kind of playing at the same time, which made it interesting and different, I would say. You know, I didn't think about that until you mentioned it. That that really is what their sound is, isn't it? It's like it's like uh like everybody playing lead at the same time. But not in a way that's like really uh grating. Like it works right. the way that they do it. No, it, they they've figured out a way to do that without like stepping on each other or stepping on the audience. It's not easy to do and it works really well. Um uh, if we haven't mentioned it, this band wildly wildly successful um yeah seven number one albums in a row that's including an uh, album in, in, that came out in 2018 that i had no idea even existed yeah like that i feel like that is almost unheard of like uh for for a band that's been around this long to just continually put out number one albums yeah, the only two albums that they released that didn't hit number one were their first two albums, this one, Under the Table and Dreaming, and Crash, which arguably have all of their best-known songs on them. Huh, that's weird. Which uh, I'm, you... I'm sure a Dave Matthews fan would say, no, that that's definitely not true, but I'm not a real Dave Matthews fan, so what do I know? But have you seen them live? Uh, I've seen them live four times, actually. I okay. saw them... Uh, on Horde Tour in 1995 with Blues Traveler, Lenny Kravitz, and Bare Naked Ladies. And I actually went Wait, to that show. I think show. we talked about what Horde stands for, and I already forgot. <sighs> we went over it on the Blind Melon episode. episode and, and oh, the Blind Melon episode, right. Now. 
it's something like, really weird. Yeah, like hives of random dudes everywhere. So yeah, these guys have always been incredible live. Uh, specifically, even people who don't love the band have so much respect for Carter Beaufort, their drummer. He is arguably one of the best drummers on the planet. It's it's incredible to watch him play live. And even something as simple as Dave Matthews' music, which can be somewhat complex, but, you know, it's very catchy. He yep. just does incredible things on the drums. Yeah, no, I can definitely hear that in this song where, like like I said, there's there is so much going on. Like, it's, it's busy without being too busy. Like, it, it moves in a lot of different directions. Like I said, some of which I appreciate, some I don't. I really like the pre-chorus to the song, the part that's, uh, like, uh, uh, you may find a lifetime's passed you by. Like, the I feel like the hook really grabs me there. And uh, then, uh, wow, there's a lot of words in the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't bite the big one. So Don't don't drop the big one. Oh, don't drop the big one. What does which that mean? To, well, I mean, it's definitely like it's it's foreshadowing the time they dropped a bunch of poop on people in Chicago. Oh, right. Well, specifically, uh, the violin player Boyd Tinsley's bus, his bus driver apparently was the jerk who decided to do that. Yeah. What, but, what a uh, nice guy. But yeah, but um, if you read if you read closely the lyrics of Dave Matthews songs, like he tells you all the crimes that the band is going to commit in the future. Well, I don't remember. Was it was it you that I mentioned that uh, not this song, but uh, it's is it ants marching? Um, oh, it's Jimmy thing. Jimmy thing, uh, which is also off of this album, I think, has a line in the in the chorus where he says, "Sometimes I walk there. Yes, God knows. Sometimes I take a bus there." And from <laughs> what I can tell, after their tour bus dropped a bunch of shit into the Chicago River, uh, Dave Matthews starts singing that line, sometimes I walk there, yes, God knows, sometimes I take a taxi. <laughs> so it's like, we're not going to acknowledge that there were ever buses involved in this band or the way that we moved around. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's pretty funny, though. Like, if you did it in a winking sort of way, like, that's pretty good. I know. Like, like hey, just in case... There are a few people paying attention to what we're actually doing up here. Uh, this is our little joke so that we uh, acknowledge that we did something stupid. Um, so I want to point out real quick, uh, in researching this episode, I discovered that this band started as Carter Beaufort, Dave Matthews, and Leroy Moore, the drummer, acoustic guitar player, singer, and saxophone player. Okay. So they were a drums, guitar, sax trio, and all of them admit that they were terrible. And I like hear no bass, no no bass. And I, and I hear this, and I go, so what part of that combo did you think was going to work? Um, you know what? You know what I think it is. I think there's a certain type of guy who, when he picks up an acoustic guitar, thinks I can do anything, and. And Dave Matthews strikes me as that kind of guy. And it turns out he is correct. Most of them are not. Um, <laughs> but but apparently even he could not uh, succeed with a band with no bass player. I, I've got I've got a couple stories about Dave Matthews. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the fandom and what has turned people off to this band and why you meet a lot of people who 
cringe for some reason. It's not just like, eh, you know, not my favorite. Like, like Dave Matthews, there's this visceral response from people where it's I, either, yeah, I think I think I have some some theories. I want to hear yours. Well, so I've seen this band four times, including accidentally seeing them open for the Rolling Stones because I'd already bought tickets to see the Stones. And after the fact, they added Dave Matthews as an opener, which I'm not a Dave Matthews band hater. I thought it was a a great opener. Dave came out and did Wild Horses with them. Oh, wow. One of the times uh, that I saw them was at the Gorge in, I would say, 2001 or so. And I was on my way to a week-long boating trip out in eastern Washington. And we stopped there because a bunch of people in the group I was in wanted to go and see him. And I got a ticket for 20 bucks, so I went. And we stood on the lawn, and it was a bunch of college kids out there on the lawn. Like, the show was probably sold out. And everyone around me was just talking the entire time. Mm -hmm. Wasn't paying a single lick of attention to the music and a song would end and everybody would woo and cheer like they were supposed to and then go back to their conversations yeah and i want to pay attention to the music and it was kind of driving me crazy sure so i understand why people would hold their fans against them but you know that was me in my like jaded 20s where i'm like oh well you're supposed to go and see music because you want to be there for the music but I've kind of grown to to disagree with that and say, if you want to go to a concert to hang out with your friends, who's to stop you? Like you, you pay yeah, of for your ticket. Like if that's what you want to do, be my guest. Like for people who are really there for the music, try and get closer. Ask the people next to you to be quiet. Whatever. It's like it, it shouldn't create a hatred for a band. Um. So okay, here's here I, I'm I'm gonna like throw out a bunch of theories because I'm making them up as I go as usual as but, usual. So I think here here are two words I'm gonna throw out to to summarize what I think is going on with the polarizing nature of Dave Matthews, and those words are Jimmy and Buffett. And what I mean <laughs> is that Jimmy Buffett is like a fun loving guy. You know, his nothing about his music is revolutionary. Like he's a guy who likes to be on a boat and sing songs about being on a boat. And there is a certain type of asshole who enjoys that. Just like I think there's probably a certain type of asshole that enjoys just how upbeat a Dave Matthews band song is. And like I don't identify with what I imagine to be the the kind of like happy go lucky jerk who who just wants to like you know smoke up and listen to Jimmy Buffett and or Dave Matthews. And yet, as you said, like that is not a reflection of the actual music at all. And like it's not like it's not like there's something wrong with fun love and boat music. So I think that's I think that's number one. Okay. No, number two is his voice. Like, which has, which, you know, uh, as, as I've mentioned interminably on the show, like, I'm taking voice lessons and, like, you know, in in whatever style of voice lessons you're taking, you know, even if it's like metal, you know, they are going to drill like the basics of like, you know, being on pitch and like singing, singing clean and singing with, uh, with like power and authority. And then you listen to people who are like real successful musicians and they probably know how to do all those things, but that's not what they do. 
you know, they are, they are like breaking the rules in at least one big way. And like Dave Matthews is is like an ex, you know, as no, no one is going to be is going to be uh, you know mistaken for Dave Matthews or vice versa. And that means if you love Dave Matthews' voice, you love Dave Ma- the Dave Matthews band. And if you don't, you don't. And here's that laughing all the way to the bank thing again. Yeah. Is is he doesn't care whether you like his voice. He probably knows that there's thousands and thousands of people that don't like his voice, but apparently there's millions that do. So yeah, absolutely. And I think like I do when he, when he goes into the chorus, like, what would you say? Like that is pretty fun. <laughs> and and yet you, you sing it yourself. You go, why is he doing that? Right. Does, he, does he talk a lack of that anyway? Which he kind of does. Okay, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard him talk. Oh, his interviews are hilarious, and that's one of my stories. But first, the Jimmy Buffett thing made me, side note, uh, it reminded me, I've seen the band Fish quite a few times, mm-hmm. as we've covered here. And at one point, I went and saw them in Vegas, and Jimmy Buffett was playing the exact same weekend. And so the streets of Vegas were filled with dready hippies mm-hmm. and old guys in Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Playing blackjack together, sitting at the bars together. And I all of a sudden realized that Fish fans and Jimmy Buffett fans are actually the exact same people, just dressed differently. Yeah, no, I think Fish is a little weirder than either Dave Matthews or or Jimmy Buffett, but it's it's the same kind of like, you know, let's get together and have fun. Yeah, it's it's that rabid fan base who know all the lyrics, who are there to have a good time, like like this is that we feel no pain when we are seeing our favorite band play live. Right. I was going to tell you my two stories, one yeah, of please. which, uh, Dave Matthews and interviews. So uh, some people may not know Dave Matthews for a while now has lived in Seattle where Matthew and I live. Yeah. And uh, we were, my old band was recording in the same studio as Dave at one point, And our engineer was engineering Dave's solo album that he was working on. Okay. Um, and, we find this this magazine that apparently Dave was reading the day before and we're like what is this doing here and and our engineer said well that uh, a writer for that magazine came in and interviewed Dave yesterday he does interviews almost every day that he's in here like he's constantly doing interviews and we said okay that's interesting he's like well we want to know it's really funny he keeps a clipboard with him when he's doing interviews like he's taking notes. And I've okay. never seen anybody take notes when they're being interviewed. And so yesterday, after he finished the interview, I'm like, hey, Dave, I got a weird question for you. What are you writing down when you're doing interviews? I'm very curious. Now. No, Nobody ever takes notes during interviews. And Dave sort of chuckles and he turns around his clipboard and he's drawing penises the entire time that he's getting interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i love this guy this, right, this is absolutely out. genius story number two uh his house is in a neighborhood called wallingford here in seattle and i don't know if he still does it but but for a while he he just wanted to be uh not so anonymous you know he doesn't live in his hometown anymore where everybody knows where he is it's like maybe Wait, he, he wants to be, be not anonymous or he wants to be more anonymous he wants to be more ano- okay no no I, I guess what I'm saying is he wants to be able to walk around his neighborhood without getting accosted yeah. by people ev- sure. everywhere he goes. So he used to shop at the local grocery store, the QFC in Wallingford. Sure. 
and my friends lived down there at the time and they would run into him in the store regularly but they wouldn't bug him and one day my friend jc shout out to jc is in there and he sees dave matthews in the store wearing a baseball cap pulled way down okay and and, and he's like okay screw this i'm gonna have fun with him and he runs up and he's like oh my god oh my god oh my god and dave kind of looks at him and he goes i just want to say you're not fooling anybody and just turns around and walks away <laughs> i thought i thought the punchline was going to be that it, w- it was a dave matthews band baseball cap yeah <laughs> that'd be pretty good too. <laughs> uh yeah i think the ultimate seattle celebrity sighting would be if you saw dave matthews yanni and tom scarrett together Oh yeah, I'm sure. I they don't know if Yanni together. still lives in Seattle. I don't even actually know if Yanni ever lived in Seattle. Yanni but that was did a rumor live in Seattle. I, okay, I, I've I've got a story that I'll I'll tell when we do our Yanni episode. <laughs> okay, I can't wait for that. <laughs> uh, I, I I'm full of them. Um, so yeah, so I mentioned that Dave Matthews released an album as recently as 2018, and would certainly be touring, would have toured in 2020 were it not for COVID. This band has been doing this, this is their 30th year as a band, and they they are just, I, I can't think of another band that has been as consistently successful as this band is. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's pretty impressive. And, and they've they've changed lineups which often can be a a momentum killer they've tried to go more electric over the years like change their sound a little bit and their fan base just remains totally rabid um was that was that when they went metal and tried to uh to tell people that DMV stood for um death to motherfucking uh <sighs> I was like two thirds of the way there. And God, I got I'm, I'm like, I don't want to have to fill in the rest of this for you. You're I on know, your own. I you, know. You, you you've walked the plank. I'm not yeah, going to finish this one. Uh, so so I tried to come up with any other band of the last thirty years that can do this, and other than Fish, who doesn't ever have a radio hit, they're just you know. They could start playing children's songs, which they kind of do, mm-hmm. and people would still go and see them for 13 nights at Madison Square Garden. There's there's just not a lot of other bands that can do this with this level of success. And I want to know if you have any theories as to why. Well, I was going to ask you like how much they've changed things up because I, I haven't listened to any other Dave Matthews albums. Well, um, I'll, I'll say this. So... Uh, they used to do certain tours with Tim Reynolds, one of Dave Matthews' oldest friends, on electric guitar. And then in about 2008, Tim Reynolds joined the band full-time. So now they always have electric guitar. They they toured with keyboardists here and there. And then they started in about 1998 touring with a keyboardist regularly and have ever since. But they don't really list a keyboard player as a permanent member of the band Mm -hmm. i mentioned that leroy moore their original saxophone player and founding member of the band died in a tragic four-wheeler accident on his property about 10 12 years ago um and he was replaced by jeff coffin who used to play with bella fleck and the fleck tones so they didn't really skip a beat there they added a trumpet player rashawn ross a little over 10 years ago so they started out as guitar bass drums 
uh, saxophone violin. Mm-hmm. Boyd Tinsley, uh, unfortunately, went down in, during the Me Too movement and uh, was kicked out of the band. So now they no longer have violins. So now these days they are drums, bass, acoustic I mean, there guitar. are other violin players. Now, apparently they decide they didn't need it because okay. now they are drums, bass, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, keyboard, trumpet, and saxophone. Well, I mean, we've talked about other bands. I don't think we've done any of them on the show because I can't I, – I bet we can come up with another 90s example. But, like, bands like Panic at the Disco and My Chemical Romance, like emo bands, seem to be able to do the same thing that Dave Matthews has done, which is just kind of keep giving the people what they want and, like, keep having new generations of listeners kind of age into wanting what they're putting out. And like that is it is very rare and like, you know, from a marketing perspective, really impressive. Now, I don't know if I I I would lump my chemical romance in there in that when they reappear, people are still rabid for their music. But they took something like a 10 year hiatus. Okay, that's fair. Um, And and so it's not like Dave Matthews where it's like. Every single year, they're going to do a 60-date summer tour all across the country, and every show is going to sell out. And then next year, they're going to do the exact same tour, and people are going to come out again, maybe all of the exact same people, and they will just keep cashing in on the same thing over and over again. I mean, what about Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam is maybe the best example. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think they've toured quite as consistently, but they can certainly do it whenever they want. And the other thing that differentiates them from Dave Matthews band is their albums do not chart very well. Like the, the amazing part of this story is the last seven albums dating back to 1998 have hit number one on the Billboard charts. I feel like there's a parallel universe in which cake is is the Dave Matthews Band, and the Dave Matthews Band is cake. Uh, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that one and can't figure it out. Please elaborate. Like, you know, Cake, Cake, like, not only had, like, they have have a couple of radio hits that everyone knows, and, like, when Cake puts out an album, it does quite well. Like, a a couple of the later Cake albums, I think, hit number one. Um, I, I would have said they're both bands that sound uniquely like themselves. Yes. One of the other things that I was thinking when you said cake is Dave Matthews did a smart thing in that they wrote music that they could continue to play into their 50s and 60s without it sounding different. Oh, like, that is like that is a good point. Dave Matthews didn't go to the top end of his singing range. They didn't write stuff that was so complex that their fingers and hands can't play it anymore. They they still sound the same way that they did in 1995. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel like you're going to see a tribute act to themselves. Right. Um, a couple other things. Have you watched the video for this song? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I, I first discovered this band by seeing this video on MTV in oh, 1994. Okay. Because this video is bonkers. I had not seen it before. It's like a bunch of random shit. Like, it's like a Fellini movie, sort of. There's like a black and white section where someone seems like they're dead on the ground. And then there's like a body painted clown that just like keeps like jumping out and being like, I'm a clown. It's it's one of the most nonsensical music videos I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like you watch it and you go, 
Well, videos had been out for about 11, 12 years at that point, and I think that directors were just running out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also think with with lyrics that don't mean anything and a band that doesn't look that great on camera, it's like, uh, what the hell do we do here? Yeah. And uh, also noted that uh, when I looked this song up on Wikipedia, that Dave Matthews was credited as vocals, acoustic guitar, design assistant. As in for the writing design assistant? Not sure. <laughs> he, maybe he dressed the clown for the video. <laughs> maybe he dressed the clown. Maybe he painted the clown. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we did this because this is the closest listening to a Dave Matthews song that I've ever done and probably will ever do. Well, I, you know, I feel like at the end of a lot of these episodes, we give some suggestions on what else to listen to. And in this case, I wasn't a fan of much of what they put out after uh, right. after Crash. But I will say that they put out a live album in, I think, 1998 uh, of their 1995 Red Rocks performance. And if okay. you want to hear what like Dave Matthews in their live heyday when they were absolutely amazing. Go back and listen to that Dave Matthews live at Red Rocks album. It is phenomenal start to finish. Okay. Yeah. Um I I if we if we revisit them on the show, I will probably listen to that. Okay. Well, I don't know. Like I don't want to I don't want to be like a like a Dave Matthews hater, but it, but they kind of make it easy. Now we can't we can't leave it at that. What what do you mean by that? Um well, it's no, like again, I'm I'm going to put it I'm putting it on me. It's like it's they're having too much fun. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like like the it the the hate is a reflection as always on the hater, not not the band. Fair fair enough, but I'm going to promise myself that I'm never going to eh, I was about to say I'm never going to do that, but I kind of hate the mo- mighty mighty Boston's and they're definitely having way too much fun. Yeah, that's that's it though. It's like like a certain type of listener really like wants their wants to like feel the agony that uh, that their band is going through along with them, um, you know that's what emo is all about. But it's uh, you know it's what Radiohead is all about too. And like if there isn't like a sense of like you know like I share your pain, then it's very hard for me to get into the song. And that's and that's my problem. That's why Dave Matthews Band will be touring with Stained when they come back in 2022. <laughs> I don't think I could name a Stained song. Oh, come on. Been a while? I w- I'm sure I would recognize you, it. You would definitely recognize it. Okay, uh, before we go, I want to I rec- recommend a new album, and uh, it's almost relevant because they are also from the South. Um, it is, uh, the band is called Nana Grizzle. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly because it's N-A-N-A-G-R-I-Z-O-L. And they're from Athens, Georgia. And the album is called South Somewhere Else. And it's sort of like an indie folk punk rock album that I feel like is notable. It's super catchy, but it's also really smart because it is an album about racism by a white band that there's nothing facile about it. And they don't like excuse their own role in it interesting it's really good the title track is phenomenal it seems unfair to me that you keep pulling these obscure bands out of your ass that i've never heard of and i always think of myself as like the musicologist that keeps up on everything contemporary all i do is i do what spotify tells me to do 
Oh. Actually, I think in this case, I was listening to, I recommended Teenage Halloween last time, and I think they might be on the same label. Oh, yeah, like which, that. by the way, my, my friend Carson, shout out to Carson, uh, sent me that the image of the cover and is like, yeah, this is totally amazing. Yeah, it's a great it's a great album. Teenage Halloween is it's my favorite album cover ever. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> All right. Uh check us out at www.hiddenjukebox.com, uh Facebook.com slash hidden jukebox, Instagram.com slash jukebox hidden. Check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Tell your friends. Leave us a review. Uh, leave us a review. Tell us what you think that DMB could also stand for besides Dave Matthews Band. Uh, yeah, all I, can, all I could came, come up with was Death to Motherfucking Bush. Oh, I love that because I'm good. not a big Bush fan. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So uh, I don't. We'll decide what we're going to do next time. We don't have to. We don't have to tell people now because I don't know. <laughs> let's keep it a secret. But yeah. Let's keep. Let's keep it on the on the QT. <laughs> All right, until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Bird. What would you say?